Hey guys, what's going on? It is just Jason. So um, yeah, Katie had some stuff going on with life this week and I didn't want to stress her out anymore. So I'm just going to bang out this podcast by myself. It's going to be even more pretty okay or more mediocre or filled with more mediocrity than normal because I'm just going to be talking to myself and that's not super fun, but we're going to try to make the best of it. And occasionally maybe I'll throw in some beeps just to be like old time's sake. So it's like Katie's here and she's swearing like a sailor as per usual. So that's the intro. That's the zaniness. That's the banter. Let's move on to the news. All right. So for news today, I found one thing on Kickstarter and then I found something that I just wanted to talk about because I think it's kind of neat. So the first game I want to talk about is the Kickstarter game and it is called Canvas. And it's from Road to Infamy. It has 25 days left, and it's $24 for a basic pledge. So essentially what this game is, it it does the the Mystic Veil, like um, clear card deal or gloom or custom heroes or what that real big monstrosity, Edge of Darkness. It does that thing where you're trying to take cards that have a picture. You're trying to basically create a painting to score some in-game goal points. And at the bottom, I think there's going to be five different like little color palette sections. And each of the color palette sections could have different symbols. What you're trying to do is you're trying to put this painting together. You need three cards on top of each other to create to hit these in-game goals. So maybe you're trying to collect different types of symbols right next to each other. Maybe you're trying to collect certain types of symbols in space one and space five. And whoever can do that the best is going to get the most points. It's a pretty simple like drafting game. You're just basically buying a card from a row, kind of like Century. So if you don't, if you want the first one, it's free. If you want anything else, you have to put a token down to go past that first one. And however far you get, it's going to cost you more money. So sometimes it's in your benefit to take the first one. Sometimes it's not. So yeah, the game looks awesome. It has really cool art. I think that clear card thing is pretty neat. Um, sometimes the cards can get a little grimy. That's my only complaint with those, but whatever. I guess you can put them in sleeves if you want to. So yeah, that's Canvas from Road to Infamy. It's on Kickstarter now. If it sounds like something that's up your alley, maybe go throw it some support because it's pretty cheap and the production is really nice. So the last piece of news that I wanted to talk about is something that's interesting but also kind of cheeses me off at the same time. And it's essentially a big box to hold a game plus expansions. And this is for Raiders of the North Sea plus both the expansions. So it's just a box with a nice fancy insert and 200 thematic card sleeves, which I think is essentially the the new box art from the Miko. And it's $30. So I guess instead of having three boxes on your shelf, now you're going to have one bigger one. I don't know if that's a fair trade-off, but I bought into the hype too. I have the big geeky box for Smash Up, so I can't really complain too much. But I just think that enough is enough here. We may need to just move on. But if you need the big box for your Raiders of the North Sea collection and you want some cool sleeves, go check it out. 30 bucks, and it has Gen Con pickup. I think you can order it, and it's going to be available Q3 of this year. So that's it. Raiders of the North Sea, big box. Now, time for Games Played. So, we actually had a game night. Don't tell anybody, but we may have had some people over during the quarantine. And we might have broken some rules. But pretend like we didn't. And maybe it was just me and Katie playing all these games. But we played some games. And the first game I want to talk about is a new-to-us Alexander Fister. I think it came out last year, maybe the year before. I'm not sure. Um, but it's Blackout Hong Kong, 
And I played this solo about four times and with four players once. And I like it. I like this one quite a bit. So I did on our Facebook page, I did our top, my top five fisters. And this was my number one. And I think I want to stick by that. I've only played Mombasa. I've played this. Um, Broom Service. Great Western Trail. There was one more that I can't remember. I'm drawing a blank. But I played I played five. And that was... Um, and this was my number one. And I stand by that. So if you don't know what this game is, it's essentially... Uh, it does the Mombasa card thing where you're playing some cards down into these columns. And at a certain point in the game, you gotta, you got to pick up a column of cards. But in this one, you can only pick up the column that has the most cards in it. So you're kind of trying to keep that in mind what, while you're playing. What you're trying to do is you're trying to collect these resources. I think there's five different resources, and you can get batteries, which are wilds. And you're trying to be able to fulfill these goals that are on these cards to get them in your hand. So it's like a deck builder, but instead of being able to buy the cards, you have to actually complete the cards by turning in resources and or having certain colored cards in one of the columns or paying money, whatever. So there's a bunch of different ways you can get these cards. Then when you get these cards in your hand, what you're going to do is you're going to be able to start securing these sections of Hong Kong. And what you're trying to do is you're trying to get one of your color cubes on each of these like little dots around a certain section of the board. And the more cubes you can get out around these sections, the better, or I guess the more points you're going to get. So like if I did a seven section, I would get like 10 points. But if I did a two section or a three section, I'm only going to get like two points. But what's cool here is if somebody else is on one of those spaces that you're also on, because you secured the area, you get the most points, but they also get some points. So that's kind of neat. So yeah, it has a, um, also like Mombasa, it has the card timer where when the stack of cards runs out, that's the end of the game. I think that might be in Great Western Trail too, but I can't remember. But yeah, this is super fun. It goes on a little long at four players. I didn't love that, but it's solo. It's really fun and it plays exactly the same, except... Um, one of the cards, if you don't buy anything, like if you pass during the phase where you can buy cards, one of the cards goes away. It's just gone. So it's going to speed up the game a little bit, but yeah, this is really fun. Um, it's cubes and not so great art. So it's right in my alley and it's Fister. So yeah, blackout Hong Kong. So the next game I played, I played as two player and it is the dice version or the roll and write version of King Domino. And this is called King Domino Duel. And what you're doing in this is you are rolling four dice. And you're basically going to take turns drafting dice till you have two dice. And it's going to basically turn into one of the dominoes, like in King Domino. So you're going to have two dice. You're going to write two of these faces down on this card. They might have X's, which counts like the crowns in King Domino. The trick here is if you take a die... The first player takes one die, the second player takes two, and the first player takes the die that's left. So the second player is kind of at an advantage because they get to pick two right away. So that's kind of, you know, you can kind of see what's on your board and you're going to help yourself out a little bit. But another cool thing about this is there's a shared piece of paper that you have up at the top that each player is writing on. And if you take a die that doesn't have a cross on it or a crown, you can cross off this a line of like one of the boxes on each of the five faces, I think, of the die. And if you can get a whole box crossed off, you'll get a special power you can use once during the game. Now, that sounds cool, but it's really hard to get those crossed off. And then sometimes you get the power that you don't even want. So um, in the game I played, we I had one whole row crossed off, but it was a terrible power. And I didn't get it crossed off at the end of the game, so I couldn't use it anyway. So yeah, the idea is cool, but didn't pan out. 
either way, it's King Domino with dice. It plays just as fast. It might actually be longer than King Domino because you got to do a little more thinking because you're putting the dominoes together with the dice, which is kind of interesting. But either way, if you like King Domino or Queen Domino and you like rolling rights, this is probably a no-brainer to check out. So that's King Domino Duel from Blue Orange, and that's game number two. All right, so the final game I want to talk about is a co-op game. That's right, co-op up in this piece. And this is a game I've played before, but I've actually played it twice solo and twice at four players here recently. And the game is called Rising 5, The Runes of Asteros. And in this one, essentially you're playing the game of Mastermind. If you don't remember Mastermind, it's from like the 70s to 80s. It's like this little, it's this long board. One player knows the solution to the answer with these little pegs. It's like four or five colors of pegs. And then the other players at the other end putting pegs in the board. And then the um, Mastermind will give the clues of what they have right, if they have stuff in the right spot, or what to... The other player can keep guessing. And you have like 20 or so guesses to get to the end to get it right. That's Mastermind. In this one, it functions the same way. You have these seven, I think, runes. And you're putting them in this grid of four. And you're using an app to scan them. The app's going to tell you if it's in the right spot by giving you a certain symbol. If it's the right color but in the wrong spot, you'll get another symbol. Or if it's not needed in the solution at all, you're going to get a different symbol. So you're doing this through like some cool... um, I don't know, you have five characters and you're moving them around the board and you're doing certain actions with the characters. So each character has a special power that when you activate them, you'll do the special power first and then you'll do actions based on how many cards you play. So like if I wanted to take the character that can move runestones around, I play a card, I play at least one card and I can do one action with them, but I also get to do their special power first. So I get to do the special power, then one more action. If I play two cards, I can do two actions, so on and so forth. If I'm attacking, there's a die that I have to roll and you have to get a certain amount of uh, a, no- a certain number on the die to defeat it. And sometimes a moon symbol will come up and that's an automatic fail and that's bad. And at that point, if you're battling, other people can play that character's cards to make your die result one less. So if I needed a three, they could play a card. Now I only need a two, which is pretty neat. And what you're trying to do is you're trying to solve the solution before you run out of life, which means your sun goes all the way down to complete darkness or you run out of cards to draw from this draw deck so again another card timer this is a really fun game i don't love co-ops but for some reason i like this one a a whole lot and i think it's because i played mastermind a ton a ton when i was a kid and i don't know it just makes this game more fun oh oh and vincent to trade art doesn't hurt i'm a sucker for him i know katie doesn't like his art but i like his art so that's that so the last game i want to talk about is rising five the runes of astros And now we're going to go on and talk about some more games. All right, so this week's feature, I wanted to bring back a top 10 list. We haven't done a top 10 list for a while. We've been doing like esoteric lists about the pandemic and games to play remotely and how to seduce people into doing games or whatever. We've just been doing deeper lists. So I wanted to get back to some roots. And I wanted to do the top 10 Bruno Catala games, in my opinion. Now, I know these probably aren't everybody's favorite games. I get that. Again, pretty okay. Mediocre. This is what we do here. But these are the games that I like of his the best and that I've played. That's the caveat. There's some of his that I haven't played, like Cyclades. I haven't played that. I'm probably not going to play it. Um, There's another big one that I haven't played either. Mr. Jack. I've never played Mr. Jack. I've just played Pocket. Uh, Another big dog that I can't think of. Uh, Cleopatra Society of Architects and Shadows over Camelot. Haven't played those. So they might be on the list, but I haven't played them. 
So these are only the games that I played. And then after I do my top 10, I'll talk about some others that I like that didn't make the list and I'll maybe explain why. Or maybe not. We'll see. All right. So number 10 is a new one to me. I mean, it's been out for a while, but I recently got this, I think, I don't know, a couple months back. And this one's called Kanagawa. So number 10 is Kanagawa. So in this one, what you're doing is you're essentially trying to paint these paintings. It's set in, uh, oh man, I'm so bad at, at Asian countries. I think it's Japan. I don't know. I, I'm going to say Japan. That's probably wrong. But it's it takes place in Japan and you're like an artist over there and you're you're trying to paint these murals of like scenery and animals and stuff. And what you're really trying to do is you're drafting these cards on this like um, bamboo sheet and you're going to draft a column of cards. So when it comes to me, I can either draft a column of cards or I can flip more cards out. Then I'm going to take those cards and I got to determine if I want to put it in my painting, meaning I meet the criteria of the paint colors that are needed by having paints on certain colors of cards that I played before. Or I'm going to use it to expand my like um, options of where I can put a paintbrush to take additional actions. You're going to do this until somebody has uh, like 10 or 12 cards painted. And then at that point, you're going to add up all the points on the cards. It's a pretty simple game. It took me a while to fumble through the rules. But even after we played it a little bit wrong, I still enjoyed it. And I mean, Bruno Catella doesn't really make a bad game. So there is that. So if you like a nice, peaceful, serene type of setting or theme, you like Asian theme and Asian artwork, then I'd say check this one out. So my number 10 Kanagawa. So my number nine, it kind of goes hand in hand a little bit with something that I mentioned in the games played section. So it's not King Domino. It's not King Domino Duel. It's Queen Domino. Uh, So this is a, a, I don't know, everybody probably knows what Queen Domino is, or at least King Domino. What you're doing in this is you're drafting a tile that looks like a domino, meaning it has two types of terrain on it. It could have the same terrain twice. It could have like forest and water. It could have a mine and a wasteland, whatever. It has two different types of terrain on this tile. Then you're going to take that tile and you're going to put it in your kingdom area and you're trying to do a five by five grid. The way that the game works, the core of the game is you're trying to get crowns multiplied by a large section of the same kind of territory. So say I draft tiles that has, I draft a tile that has three crowns on it and it's, it's forest. And then I have five other tiles connected to that that are all forest. So I would take those five sections of that terrain times the three crowns and I get 15 points. That's the, the crux of the game, the crux of the scoring. But in Queen Domino, it adds a little bit more. So it's going to give you these knights that you can put out on a large territory. Like say I have that five section of forest again. I can send this knight out and I can tax the crap out of that land and get some money. Why do I need money, you might ask? Good question. So I'm going to use the money that I get from taxing these poor people to go buy these building tiles that I can put on certain types of terrain that I'm drafting on these dominoes. So on the dominoes, there's going to be a red section that looks like a a building in progress. And I can go to this one section of uh, the play area and buy tiles for a certain amount of money. The tiles are basically going to either be points. So like five points, they're going to give me points for however many knights I have out on the board. They might give me points for how many castles that are out on the board, meaning these little like, um, they look like little, um, what are those called? Rooks in chests. They kind of look like that. Um, And then when you get those, you're going to put them on the tile. So you're just basically buying these tiles to get more points, which is pretty neat. And there's also a dragon that's going to come in to play. The dragon's going to come burn up some of those tiles. And then whoever has them, also whoever has the most of the little rook pieces, they're going to get the queen to come visit their city. 
and everything's going to cost one less. It's essentially King Domino does three extra little pieces of flair, but I like it. It's fun. It's fast, and it's really nice to look at because I think the tiles are really neat. So my number nine, Queen Domino. Number eight. I know what you've been waiting for. You've been waiting for number eight. Maybe not. I don't know. I don't know why I said that. But number eight is Yamatai. So this is the Days of Wonder big box follow-up to another one of his games, which may show up later, so I'm not going to say it now. And in this game, what you're trying to do is you're taking these little boats, these different color boats, which are really going to function like the resources, and you're putting them in between spaces on the board to form a route. The reason that you're doing this is you're trying to get certain color boats around hexes to be able to put buildings down or claim these building cards to score points. That's the gist of the game. You're going to be trying to do that to get the most points, more points than everybody else. Um, you're also going to be recruiting these um, nobles. I think they're nobles or special characters that you're going to be able to spend money on. They're going to come in and give you some extra powers throughout the game. There's more to the game than that, but the at the end of the day, it's essentially kind of like a route building area control type game. One of the reasons why I really like it is it's gorgeous. It's another Asian themed game. It has a beautiful box. The board is amazing. All the bits are really cool. And the gameplay is fun to boot. It may not be as as good as this, the one that it's following up, which, spoiler, it's not. But I enjoy it. So my number eight, Yamata. Number seven is another Asian themed game. But this time I think we're going to China. And we're going to be a female Chinese pirate. And her name is madam ching so i don't know if many people played this game i don't i got it for like a song on a black friday deal it was like five bucks and again meant to do trade art so it sucked me in but this game is actually really fun so what you're doing in this game is you are a pirate and you have you're controlling this junk boat which is a little tiny like pirate boat and what you're trying to do is you're trying to make an expedition as far as you can go to be able to pick up these expedition tiles and what that means is it's basically a, a point tile based on how far you can get your boat to go. The trick here is you're moving your boat by playing these cards. So there are cards, I think, in five or six different colors, and they go from like one to like 60. So when you play a card, you always have to go from low number to higher number. If you play the same color, your boat goes straight. If you play a different color and higher number, your boat goes in a diagonal line. So there are times when you want to go straight because maybe you're trying to cross this other line. There's a times when you want to go diagonal because you're trying to get down to Hong Kong, I think, to get as many, to try to get some extra points. It, it's just, it's a fun game. It's an interesting game. And on and also on these cards when you're playing them, they have these little symbols. There's like uh, some sword crosses, some lanterns. Uh, I think there's like a parchment. I can't remember the symbols. It's been a while since I played it. But you're also trying to collect different symbols on your expedition, which means the card's played out in front of you before you play a card that's too low and you bust, to try to claim these other cards in the game to try to score extra points. So it's essentially just a moving and set collection type game, but packaged in a really neat way. And in a, it's kind of a game like no other. Like I've never played a game like this, which is interesting. Yeah, the card thing has been done, but the way this one does it is interesting to me. So my number seven... Madam Ching. All right, so my number six is not an Asian-themed game, so we're moving on from Asian, Asian themes. And this is a game about being in the deep sea, trying to recruit different types of underworld big bads to come join your fight, and it's called Abyss. Um, this is a really cool, nice production with really cool pearls that you're using for money. But at this game's heart, what it is, is it's a push-your-luck kind of drafting game where you're trying to get these certain colors of cards 
to be able to spend them to recruit these leaders. I think they're leaders of one of the colors of the races. So maybe I'm looking for a yellow character to come be on my team. So I need to cash in like these certain types of cards to go and buy that guy to come into my team. If I can ever get three of the leaders that have keys on them, I get to unlock this this tile that's going to come in. It's going to give me in-game points. That's essentially the game. You're trying to draft some little cards to buy bigger cards to get these big tiles to come in to get more points. And I think the game ends when someone has seven leaders, I believe. That might be incorrect, but it's six or seven leaders. It's going to trigger the end of the game, and then you're going to add points. So that's it. I don't know why I like this game so much. It's pretty light. Well, again, all of his games are light with the exception of a couple. Uh, but I love it. It's fun. I, it's got the push your luck thing, and I'm a sucker for that. Uh, I, I can't help it. It's just a fun mechanism to me, and it, it gets me going. So Abyss, try it, number six. All right, so number five is a classic. Um, I mean, it's not that doesn't mean it's old. It just means this is probably one of the first Bruno Catala games that we owned. Uh, if not the first, yeah, it, it it's up there. And what this game is, is Dice Town. So let me describe this in two words for you. Poker Yahtzee. That's it. You have these, I think, five dice, which would make sense because it's Yahtzee style. So you have five dice, and you're, you're rolling them in this, like, acorn-looking cup. And you're trying to get different types of runs to do different things on this board. So you're trying to get nines to get gold nuggets. You're trying to get 10 to, I think, rob somebody of a card. Jokers will let you go to the saloon. Maybe I'm getting, doing some of this backwards. I know the king lets you become the new sheriff, which is going to break ties and all that stuff. And the aces will let you claim some territory cards that are going to be worth extra points. And if you get nothing, there's this guy called Dr. Bad Luck, Doc Bad Luck, and he's going to give you like some pity based on something that you rolled. It's a pretty straightforward game. Um, you're just rolling dice. You can always keep one die, but if you want to keep more, you're going to have to use money to keep more. So say I roll my dice, and I wanted to keep three dice. I'm allowed to keep one for free, but for those other two, I got to pay $2, so $1 a die. And the trick here is once everybody is, once one person is done rolling, then everybody else only gets one more roll, and then they're stuck with those dice. So if I roll my first time and I get five of a number, and that's what I want, I pay my $4, everyone else gets one roll, and I may have just screwed them over. So that's fun. It's again, this is basically Yahtzee with but instead of doing like full houses and stuff. Well, I guess this, you're still kind of doing that. So it's Yahtzee with physical dice that look like poker cards. And if you're into Yahtzee and you're into poker and you like crazy, simple, fun games, definitely check this one out. So my number five, Dice Down. So number four is probably the weirdest game that we have in our collection from a theme perspective. And probably Bruno Catala's weirdest themed game. And that game is called Imaginarium. And this is a game that I wanted for a long time. I saw Z do a video for it when it was, wasn't was even out in America yet. And then last year at Origins, they had a couple copies left. And I went and snagged it. And boy, is it good. Um, so what this game is, is the theme is irrelevant. But it's essentially an engine building game. So what you're doing is you're using this little worker to go to one of these certain spots on this, like, um, uh, shoot, what is it called? Uh, conveyor belt. And you're either going to take a card, it's going to come into your factory broken. You're going to take some uh, coal, I can't remember the actual name, but you're going to take some of the black resource, um, or that's it. Then once you do that, you're going to be doing some actions on this board. So you have this board in front of you, you're going to be able to select two actions. The trick here is the actions you can take are never next to each other. There's this like arrow system that's in like a V, 
and you always have to move them. So you're always doing actions that are like three spaces away from each other. And you can never do the same act two actions twice in a row. So say I wanted to uh, build a machine. Yeah, I'll go do build a machine. But the other action is never the one you want to do. So you're tra- it's a race, an engine builder, where you're racing to try to be the first person to get 20 points. My only issue with this one is is sometimes it takes a while to get going. You could play for an hour and have a couple points, and then all of a sudden in two rounds the game is over. So it just it's a really slow at the beginning, and then it amps up super fast. But if that doesn't bother you, and you like weird art, and you like cool engine builders with some really weird, different mechanisms in it, this is definitely a game you should check out. There's a video of it on our YouTube channel, and that is number four, Imaginarium. So number three, number three was it was tough. I almost made this my number one. But then I realized there's a couple that I really do like better. But number three is really fun. And I've never won it not one time. And I've played it a lot. And that is Nagaraja. So this is a two-player only game where you're rolling these like sticks. Rajas or Nagas. I can't remember. It's one of those two words. You're rolling these sticks and they're either going to have pips on, on a side or they're going to have this like squiggly line which is going to let you play cards. What you're trying to do is you're trying to get the most pips to be able to claim a tile because you want to get this tile out on your board because you're trying to build a path from your entrances to one of the nine edges of your board to flip these like artifacts and you're trying to be the first person to get 20 points. Bruno really likes 20 points. But so the trick here is some of the artifacts are cursed. They're worth more points, but if you flip three of them, you automatically lose. So as long as you have two, you're fine. But sometimes your opponents can move things around and make you flip them, and you might expose that third one. Or you may have 18 points ready to go. Someone comes in, breaks your path up, and it flips two of your, your tiles face back face down, and you lost, you know, eight points. So the, the crux of the game is really easy. You're just rolling. You're, you're, you're playing a card to, to pick some of these sticks to roll them. There are three different types of sticks. They have all have different pips, different, like, probabilities of getting things. And then you're going to, play cards based on how many Rajas you have or Nagas you have to try to either screw over your opponent or help you add pips to your rolls or whatever. Then you're going to take the tile, maybe some other little bonus thing that's on the tile, put it on your board, try to flip some artifacts. That's the game. It's really easy. Man, it is tough. It's And it's irritating. It's frustrating. But I like it quite a bit. So if you can get your get a chance to play it, I recommend it. So my number three, Naga Raja. Number two is another two-player only game. And this is probably pretty obvious because we talk about this a lot on the channel. And that is Seven Wonders Duel. So this is a lot. And I guess I should have said this up at the top. A lot of Bruno Catala's games are co-design games. Uh, Dice Town was a co-design. I think Imaginarium is a co-design. Seven Wonders Duel is a co-design with Antoine Bauza. Yamatai is a co-design. I think that's it in that list. But I could be wrong. But he co-designs a lot of games. But I'm just lumping anything that he's designed or co-designed as a Bruno Catala game to make it easy because his influence, you can definitely tell, is there. So number two, Seven Wonders Duel. This is a two-player-only version of the Big Brother Seven Wonders. And in this, this is essentially, it's a drafting game still, but you're doing it through these this cool like pyramid build where there's going to be some cards face up, some cards face down. You don't know what the face down cards are until you get all the face up cards on top, like off of it. So like you have to get these two face up cards and then once the the face down card is fully exposed, you'll flip it and you'll get to see what it is. You're trying to move the military track to either secure a military victory, which means you get the token all the way to your opponent's side. 
you're trying to get six of these or five of these uh, science symbols, which are the green cards, you can win the game automatically. Or if neither one of those two happens, you're just trying to get the most points and win that way. You're going to play over three rounds. Um, It's going to amp up as it goes. And in this one, each player has four wonders given to them at the beginning of the game. But only one of them is going to be able to build four, hence the name Seven Wonders. So one person is going to build three, and the other one has to go back in the box. But outside of that, I mean, that's where the Seven Wonders theme stops, other than the cards being the same art as in the Big Brother. So yeah, if you like Seven Wonders or you don't, and you like interesting two-player games, definitely check this one out because it's one of mine and Katie's favorites, and that is Seven Wonders Duel. All right, so my number one should come as no surprise. I already kind of spoiled it when I was talking about Yamatai. And that is Five Tribes. Uh, this is hands down my favorite Bruno Catala. It's the heaviest one. I mean, it's not heavy by any means, but it's the heaviest game. It's the game with most stuff going on. It's it's not even the best one to look at, but the gameplay is fantastic. So if you don't know what Five Tribes is, it's a, a Mancala-style game where you're taking all these little meeple guys off of a space and you're dropping one down on another space, going in like a, you know adjacent spaces. And wherever you stop, you pick up all the the meeples of that color and you get to take an action. So each of the five different colors do a certain amount of a certain thing. You're trying to do the get different points by collecting certain color meeples. You're trying to buy these genies. You're trying to get cards where you're doing some set collection to try to get different types of goods. It's it's normal Bruno stuff with collect set collection and all that stuff, but the way that this one does it is fun to me. I like the Mancala thing. I like the genies. I like all the special powers that you can have. Just a good time. My only issue is some people can get a little locked up with the AP, so just be careful who you're playing it with. Otherwise, it could go on way longer than it needs to, but not a fault of the game. That's a player problem. So, yeah, if you like Bruno and you like little heavier games, Five Tribes is where you want to be. All right, so that's the top 10 Bruno Catala games. Now, let me talk about a couple others that I've played that didn't quite make the list, Um, and I don't even know why they didn't really make the list because I like a lot of these, but... Yeah, let's just talk about some. So the first game is Mission Red Planet. That's Bruno and Bruno, so Katala and Faduti. And this is a fun game. I've only played it once, so I didn't feel comfortable putting it on the list. And it was a little mean. I tried to stay away from the mean games. I don't think I had any of the mean games up here. Uh, Yeah, none of these are super mean. So I just steered away from that. But that's my only issue with this one is it's mean. And I remember that irritated me, so that kept it off the list. The next one's Queen's Necklace. That's also a pretty good game. Um, I think it's Bruno's again, Bruno and Bruno. Uh, it's it's fun. It's just not as interesting as the other top ten. Just you're trying to build jewelry to sell to the queen. You're in the Musketeer universe for some reason. I don't know. So Queen's Necklace is fun. King Domino. Queen Domino's better. That's why King Domino didn't make it. King Domino Duel. I don't really like rolling rights. And again, Queen Domino's better. Uh, Mr. Jack Pocket. I like quite a bit. Um... Not as good as the other 10, but it's enjoyable. It's a fun little two-player game with, it's a nice little puzzle. And I don't, you know, I like it a lot. It's just not top 10. Mr. Jack, haven't played, so that's why it's not on the list. Phantom of the Opera, haven't played. Cleopatra and the Society of Architects, haven't played. Cyclades, haven't played. Shadow over Camelot, haven't played. One other one that I have played, well, Ishtar, I haven't played either. But one other game that I have played is Garabia or Garabia. Just thought it was boring. It was is not interesting so this would be like top 50 maybe if he had 50 games it would be number 50 just not good at all so that's why those didn't make the list 
So yeah, that was Top 10 Bruno Catala Games. Um, this was an episode that was weird because it was just me and no co-host. But next week we'll be back to normal, I promise. Katie already said. She, she, she assured me that next week she would be sitting here and she would be saying some swear words so I could beep her out. And all will be right in the world of BGM. And maybe it would go from mediocre next week to okay. Not even pretty okay. Just okay. That's all we can hope for. That's all we can. That's all we want. That's all we've ever wanted is just to be okay. So yeah, if you like what we do, check us out. We have a YouTube page. We have a Facebook. We have a special super secret group called The Riveted. It's easy to get in. You just ask and we let you in. We have Instagram. We have Twitter. Um, a website. If you go to our website, bgmechanics.com, you can find out, find links to all the other stuff that we do and go check it out and have, have some fun. Just if you want to waste a couple hours, go look around some of that stuff. That'll numb your brain for a while. So yeah, that's the episode. And I guess I should just wrap this up. So I'm Jason with the Board Game Mechanics. And as always, keep gaming. <laughs>